Hey, what's happening, everybody? This is Armand Lee with you once again. And thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Quarterly Report. We've got another fun show for you. The super talented Monica McNutt is going to stop by this week to break down everything Kyrie Irving and a little bit of Insecure. Also, your man Hugh Freeze got caught tricking, huh? Well, I'm going to tackle that subject and tell you why he shouldn't have lost his job because of it. All of that and so much more. But first, this week's top story. First quarter. Have you guys noticed that all of a sudden the NBA has turned into like the greatest soap opera ever? It's like the new age guiding light, general hospital, whatever it is that your moms used to watch, you know, when you stayed at home from school. Like, and it, I guess it just started happening recently, relatively. I guess you could say the decision was like the, the, the pinnacle, right? That was the flag point where everything changed. But the NBA offseason is now almost, if not more so, entertaining than the regular season. And because there's just like this law, this like kind of dull period in sports throughout the summer, it just dominates everything. And it's not like, you know, okay, this story is kind of, this is a lame story, so we're just going to talk about it because there's nothing else to talk about. Like, we've got, like, legit moves, you know what I mean, happening. And then this past week, out of the blue, Kyrie Irving lets the bomb go and says that not only does he want to trade away from Cleveland, but the reason that he wants to leave Cleveland is because he doesn't want to be in LeBron James's shadow. Like, if that's not the script of some melodramatic film or made-for-TV special, I don't know what is. Like, Kyrie Irving has somehow landed in this weird spot when it comes to the NBA. Because, again, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know that I'm really into the analytics, and I, I almost kind of swear by them in terms of player evaluation. Maybe, and some would argue to a fault. You know what I mean? Like, there is no perfect... Uh, you know, there is no perfect equation when it comes to breaking down players because there's so many, there's so many variables, you know what I mean? But Kyrie, depending on, you know, who you're around is either one of the more overrated players in the NBA, or he's somehow one of the greatest players in the league. <laughs> and all of that has been swirling around Kyrie ever since LeBron returned to Cleveland and he's rolled the wave. Like say what you want about Kyrie Irving, no matter what end of the spectrum you're on. No, he's, he's made some really critical shots, made some huge plays. And in terms of talent, not production at this point, but just talent offensively, there are not that many players better than Kyrie Irving, but because he plays alongside LeBron, he's been kind of, Gift that again, I don't want to say gifted because that there's some, you know, someone can interpret that that he hasn't earned it. Kyrie has earned all of the success that he's had, but it'd be a bit disingenuous, right, to act as if he wasn't helped significantly by playing alongside LeBron. Like the biggest shot of Kyrie Irving's career happened in game seven of the NBA finals, and we were able to see that. Of course, because he played with LeBron. You know what I mean? Like, whether you like LeBron or not, I think we all, hopefully, and I know we live in an era where there's never a consensus on anything, but I think the most most civilized, most reasonable people would understand that 
Kyrie would not have had, he wouldn't have been in position to hit such huge shots, make such big plays if it wasn't for LeBron. That's not to take anything away from what Kyrie actually did when put in that opportunity, right? But he was in that opportunity because LeBron decided to come back to Cleveland. With all that being said, you would think, right, reasonable people would be able to think like, Kyrie, what are you doing? We all remember, well, most of us, mind you, remember what your life was before LeBron came back. Why do you want to go back to that? And again, I'm one of the people who don't think Kyrie Irving is a top three-point guard or a top ten player. I don't think he's close. You know, I Kyrie is an amazing offensive basketball player, but he's so flawed because he doesn't rebound. He doesn't defend. He doesn't pass. He scores. And he does it well. Don't get me wrong. I mean, scoring is an important factor of basketball. But when there are other players who do so many other things well, where Kyrie only does one thing well, you know, you have to factor that in into, you know, where you play, where you're placing him among the league's best players. But, you know, for whatever reason, the NBA, you know, the NBA culture doesn't respect defense. And that's a topic for another day, another show, another week. But I kind of want to get into, because initially when I saw the report, I was like, yo, what the hell is wrong with Kyrie? Like, why would you want to leave LeBron? You've got, you literally are gifted, right? A trip to the NBA finals every year playing alongside LeBron at this phase of his career. And then like, if you have the desire to be the quote unquote man, the number one guy, I think we all kind of are leaning toward the fact that LeBron is going to leave Cleveland after this season. So Kyrie is still under contract. He will then be given that opportunity. But then I started thinking, I was talking to my cousin Sadiq and for all y'all listening, going to have my guy, my cousin Sadiq on next week. So, you know, I know y'all love it. I get so much good feedback when my cousin's on the show. But I'm talking to my cousin Sadiq, and, you know, it kind of dawned on me. And he was talking about, man, you know, I get where Kyrie's coming from a little bit. And then I'm thinking, yo, say what you want about how Cleveland got there, right? Because we all understand LeBron carried them to the finals. But Kyrie is a talented NBA player. He is one of the league's best players. And when he was in the finals, he played well. He played his ass off. So think for a second, you know, because I think overall wanting to not play with LeBron James sounds silly because not only is he the best player of this generation, not only is LeBron one of the best players of all time, but the thing that LeBron does best is pass. It's not like LeBron's on some Kobe, right? LeBron likes to give up the ball. Sometimes he's been, you know, criticized for giving up the ball. But if you're Kyrie Irving and, you know, LeBron has almost full control over that organization or he has more control than I think a player has ever had over one organization. And Kyrie is kind of looking on the sidelines like, hold on, Slim, you know, run some of this stuff by me too. Now, could you, could you, accuse Kyrie of having too big of an ego? Sure. But that's kind of, I'm not going to fault him for thinking highly of himself and for wanting to have a larger piece of, you know, the team's direction moving forward. Because again, LeBron may very well leave next season. 
And Kyrie is looking at his teammates and like, hold on, hold on. We're doing all this stuff to appease LeBron for this year. But when he goes, if he goes, I'm going to be looked upon being like, yo, all right, Kyrie is yours now. But I don't have anybody to play with. So in that regard, I absolutely feel what Kyrie is doing. You know what I mean? LeBron can dictate who gets traded, right? He comes out and says, yo, we need another facilitator. They go and trade a pick, right? A pick that would help the future of the team, but not help today, right? So they sacrifice their future, and they do it to appease LeBron because they know LeBron, look, when you have LeBron, you got you to gotta try to win every single year. Kyrie's still young, like super young. And he's like, hold on. Those picks that we're trading away, you know, once these 35-year-old players that we keep on trading for are done, there's not going to be any talent for me to help win. So then we hear that Paul George was almost traded to Cleveland. And LeBron is like, you know, in the background trying to facilitate and get Paul George. And I don't think Kyrie's name was in the Paul George trade. In fact, I think it was Kevin Love. Um, but then there was talk that Jimmy Butler would have been traded and Kyrie may or may not have been a part of some of these trade discussions. So if you're Kyrie and you hear that your name is being involved in trade discussions, you're not a part of, you know, this council of trying to improve the roster, the roster that you very well have improved, like helped win a championship two years ago. You are being treated like the little brother who can't, you know, sit down at, you know, you're being treated like Fredo, Fredo, right? So you got Sonny, you got Mike, and then Fredo's in the background like, hold on, man, like, what about me? But um, unlike Fredo, Kyrie actually is worth his damn weight. So at some point, you know, and again, there's ego involved. But at some point, he's looking around like, yo, why y'all treating me like this? LeBron could very well be gone after a year. And you guys are going to look to me to kind of clean up the mess without my input at all, man, bump that man. I'm trying to get up out of here. And on one level, while it sounds silly that a player doesn't want to play with LeBron James on another level, I feel Kyrie completely because, yo, truth be told, if I was in that situation now, again, we're not talking about Tristan Thompson or Amon Shumpert or Channing Frye. We're talking about Kyrie. Clearly the second best player on that team. Clearly the guy who's had a huge impact on the championship that they won two years ago. He does deserve a certain level of, you know, accommodation. He's not LeBron. But I don't even think that they have to act or treat him like he's LeBron. Just let him know. Let him be involved. Because if he is the future of your franchise, like they want, like they prop him up to be, well, then, again, he's going to be the guy responsible on the team's future success. So Cleveland, despite the fact that they won a championship last year, despite the fact that they went to their third straight NBA Finals, they are in the midst of one of the wildest offseasons. And if they don't trade Kyrie Irving, imagine how wild this regular season will be. You got LeBron James reportedly saying that if he ran into Kyrie, he would beat his ass. Kyrie, he on this whole flat earth thing. And that's just, a, and then this happens. Now the reports that Kyrie's dad is, you know, in his ear, feeding him all types of crazy stuff. This whole, and 
And, right, Cleveland had a chance to get Paul George this offseason, and now they had to settle for Jeff Green and Derrick Rose. <laughs> Goddamn, if you don't love the NBA, bro, I don't know what's wrong with you. All right, that's my first topic this week. We're going to touch on Kyrie a little bit more later on in the show. Remember, you can make sure you follow me on Twitter. I'm at Armand, A-R-M-O-N underscore Lee, L-E-E. Also, follow the show as well. We're at Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, that's the NBA. Again, we're going to touch on Kyrie a little bit later. But now we're going to step into the world of technology and how we need to pump the brakes for quarter number two. Second quarter. Rise of the Machine. So this is a reoccurring segment on the show. And essentially, it's about how my childhood fears are coming true and how technology will be the end of all of us. So this week, and this is, again, I'm not making these stories up. You know what I mean? The first time we had this segment about Elon Musk, that was a real story. This is a real story from the New York Times. The headline, microchip implants for employees. One company says yes, all right? So basically there is a company in Wisconsin. It's called Three Square Market. They're a technology company. And their great idea is to have their employees get an implant of a microchip the size of a grain of rice into, I guess, the little fleshy part of your hand between your thumb and your index finger. And the idea is that, you know, nowadays we have these fobs or it may be like an identity, like a laminated ID badge that you put up against like the sensors at your job. It'll open doors. And sometimes uh, different offices have, you're able to pay for your lunches with it. Well, again, this company is saying F the badges, F the fobs. We're just going to implant, you know, these microchips in your hand. And this is the crazy thing about it. This isn't a mandatory practice that the Wisconsin, you know, um, job is doing. However, 50 of their 80 employees have already volunteered to do this. In fact, here's a quote. It was pretty much 100% yes, right from the get go for me said Sam Bingston, a software engineer. In the next five to 10 years, this is going to be something that isn't scoffed at so much or is more normal. So I like to jump on the bandwagon with these kind of things early just to say I have it. Man, you better sit your ass down. It ain't gonna be normal. It may be, no look, look, let me tell you something. All right, for him and all the other employees who are rushing to get microchips implanted in their hands. I feel like I can't stress that enough. You are getting an outside device implanted in your flesh for the convenience of opening doors. <laughs> like the, the, the article later goes on to say that they're having parties, right? To, to commiserate or to, you know, to bring in this, this idea of getting these chips implanted into your hand. How much of a loser do you have to be to celebrate getting a microchip implanted in your hand? 
Like of all the things that exist in this world, like we have vices for almost everything, anything that you can imagine, there is something right to help your desires. And of all the things that we have, all the useless, all the, you know what I mean? Distractions that are, that are out there for consumption. These fools going to celebrate getting a chip in their hand voluntarily. What type of loser are you? How do you celebrate that? Think of, I mean, how long does it take to get, you know, your fob or your ID card out of your pocket or wallet? If you're a woman out of your purse, how long at the most 15 to 20 seconds, you're willing to have something implanted in your hand to save you 15 seconds. What, what is wrong with? I, I honestly, I can't think, I can't think of a dumber thing. You know what I'm saying? We are opening the door for the robot revolution. You know what I'm saying? We're going to look back at this, you know, in the future, you know, 30, 40 years in the future. We're going to look back to this day and be like, man, we just opened the door for these bamboos to dominate everything. You're getting a microchip implanted in your hand. To save what? To save your job? I mean, how much can it possibly cost? And I guess that's the only reason they're doing it, right? To cost, to cut costs. How much could you possibly save if you are a company for these microchips in, in regards to like these plastic fobs or these laminated identification badges? How much money could you be saving? And why would anyone voluntarily put this in their hand? You know what this reminds me of? Remember the movie Independence Day? Like the first one. The second one, I don't care. I never saw it. It didn't happen. The first one. When all like when they found out like the aliens were coming and before they did anything, all these fools ran up to the to the rooftops of these buildings in New York. And they were the first bombers to get blown up. Now I don't wish, you know, harm to anybody. You know what I'm saying? That's not how I get down. However, if you are voluntarily putting a microchip in your hand, to shave 15 seconds off your date so you can open the door or buy some chips at your vending machine. When the when the robots finally do take over, I hope you are the first bombers to go down because you deserve it. I can't believe And again, I promise you, New York Times, I'll give you the author's name. Uh, the author's name of the article. You know what? I can't get it. Hold on, hold on. The author's name is Maggie Astor. Astar or something like that. July 25th, 2017 is when this article was published. This is real, man. And it started in Wisconsin. <laughs> okay. Like I would never voluntarily let a microchip get inserted into my hand, but I'd be damned if it's going to be a Wisconsin microchip. Like if you told me I had to do it, that joint better be from like Palo Alto. You understand? Or, you know, something like that. Wisconsin? Get the hell up out of here, man. Hey, I don't know what is going on with with the world. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if a majority of Americans would get this implemented, implanted in their hand. But as I get older, I'm losing faith. And I'm thinking the number of people who would get this done is a lot higher than... I I would assume, right? 
the whole world is crashing down, bro. And it's going to be the role. I know, I, again, I know I sound like John Connor, but I've seen Terminator 2 too many times. I know how this plays out. Y'all better wake the F up, bro. Sheesh. All right. That was this week's installment of Rise of the Machine. Yeah, man, it's real out here. Y'all think I'm playing? I'm being dead ass serious. You know, fast forward 30, 40 years from now. You know what I mean? Don't let me see you running around with your AI, you know, your robot shaking you up, hemming you up, got you on a leash. You know what I'm saying? Don't look at me either and extend your hand out looking for help. I'm going to laugh at you. You know what I mean? That's what these are right now. I'm trying to give you help. Morning shots. So we don't have to face, you know what I mean, the rise of the machines. But once it pops off, I told you, my bunker is straight. Anyway, that was the first half of the quarterly report. Thank you so much for listening. Before we get to halftime, make sure you follow the show on Twitter. It's at quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. And while you're at it, go on the iTunes and subscribe. All you got to do is click or type quarterly report you'll see my icon click on it and subscribe and rate and review the show tell me what you like what you don't like and uh give me some stars give me some votes let let the world know what you think of the quarterly report i really appreciate it all right man so you know we already touched on Kyrie irving earlier in the show but this topic is just so fascinating and so funny so for halftime this week we look at the year of Kyrie. Because it's clear at this point, Kyrie gives zero f- But it didn't just happen over one moment. It was building to this. Take a listen. Breaking news and the curse is over as the Cleveland Cavaliers are world champions thanks to Kyrie Irving's game-winning three-pointer. Hello, Mr. Irving. This is your central nervous system. You currently have one million to give. Enjoy. Crazy news from the world of sports and music. Kyrie Irving probably isn't the biggest Party Next Door fan after this image hit the net of the rapper laying in bed with Irving's significant other, singer Kalani. Hello, Mr. Irving. It's your central nervous system again. You may want to take it easy. We're down to 500,000 left. To give. A year after losing a heartbreaker, the Golden State Warriors have returned to dominance, dethroning the Cleveland Cavaliers in five games. Alert, Mr. Irving, we are running low on to give. I repeat, we are running low on to give. Take caution. What's wrong with Kyrie? He's becoming the laughingstock of the entertainment world after sharing his thoughts on the earth being, get this, flat. Danger, Mr. Irving, you only have one left. I repeat, you only have one left. Be very careful. More news from the NBA's offseason as the Cleveland Cavaliers have reportedly shopped star guard Kyrie Irving in two different trade scenarios. Initiating self-destruction mode. Goodbye. It's been a wild year for Kyrie Irving. A lot of highs and a lot of lows. And 
you know, we all kind of have that internal meter, you know, when we're going through a lot and maybe on our last nerve. And once we hit that moment where we got zero F's to give and y'all know what I'm talking about, we all kind of just flick off a Kurt. And that's exactly what's going on with Kyrie right now. We're watching it in live, in real life, like in real time. Him just flicking off on everybody, right? Because he's been through too much. So, you know, I think we all can relate. No matter how absurd the idea of Kyrie wanting to leave LeBron, we all kind of relate. So hopefully you enjoyed that halftime. Shout out to my partner for giving me the idea for that. But we're moving forward. We're looking ahead. The first half is in the books. We got two quarters to go, starting with the third quarter this week, our interview, Monica McNutt. Third quarter. She is a friend of the program and making her second appearance after a busy, you know, summer for her. She's been traveling across the globe. I'm sure she has some strange acupuncture stories to tell. Uh, but it is my pleasure to welcome in Monica McNutt back to the quarterly report. Monica, what's going on? I'm well, Armand. Thanks for having me. And shout out to my acupuncturist. She's my girl. <laughs> All right. You know what? So let's just get right into it. You know what I'm saying? We'll, we'll talk about Kyrie Irving in a little bit. But uh, you just finished telling me a story. Like I said, you have traveled this summer. Uh, you went to Israel. And by yourself, you decided that, you know what? You're just going to go to Jordan. By yourself, for those of you who aren't aware, you know, you know, it's been popping off. It's been a little bit volatile over in Jordan, over that area of the world. So let the people know about your trip, number one, and the idea of you, you by yourself, just going to a foreign country uh, alone. So I'm glad that you gave this intro because the program that I was a part of was focused on sort of changing the conversation and the perception of the region. I was in Eilat, Israel, which is the southernmost point in Israel. It's a beach resort area for an event called the Friendship Game. And it was eight countries represented, and we played basketball together, basically. It's a tournament. The idea is that you use sports to create this dialogue. So you had kids from Poland, Russia, Lithuania, Jordan, um, Palestine, and Israel. I think I'm skipping a couple countries, but this was a couple weeks back, so forgive me. But you get the gist of it. Fantastic experience. The power of sport is just so incredible. I mean, these kids really having conversations and kind of breaking down some traditional barriers. You mentioned it, Israel, Jordan, that region. It's a tough neighborhood. But um, when you look at it, people are people. And a lot of what we hear, especially us on the western side of the world, um, is media-driven. But the people that are actually involved would like to see peace. They would like to see the conversation change about their country. So that was really cool. So anyway, I'm in a lot. A lot neighbors, Jordan and Egypt. And so right. the last day, Armand, I'm like, look, I'm not going to be in this area in the foreseeable future. Like, I want to go to Petra. Petra is one of the – it's not one of the ancient wonders of the world, but I think it's one of the, like, new seven wonders of the world. Basically, it's this – think of Indiana Jones, like, city in a mountain, like, hidden city. Awesome. <laughs> it's so dope, right? I'm going to go on this tour. Like, this bus won't pick me up. I'm like, how bad can it be? Like By yourself. Alone in a foreign country. By myself. I mean, the okay. people who didn't want to go, like, what am I supposed to stop? Because y'all don't want to go? Anyway, so, the course, the bus came and picked me up. I'm not going to lie. The morning I woke up, I was like, am I really doing this? Am I really doing this? Like, this is scary. The bus came and picked me up at 730. The entire bus, just about, everybody spoke English, for sure. And there were definitely, like, six Americans. Like, one of the guys I met actually lived on the same street that I lived in when I lived in Florida. So, I was like, oh, but Americans, but I'm safe. Like, this is good. Now, I'm not going to lie. It is a little freaky because... I should probably have rewound. I definitely snuck into Israel. <laughs> Yo, Mind you, I tripped into July 8th. My passport expired July 18th. 
Yo, what's wrong with you, y'all? <laughs> I was like, we're just going to go with this by the grace of God. Like, whatever. I'm with a group. Like, they're not going to lie. Anyway, so I slid into Israel. This slid into Georgia. Oh, my goodness, y'all. <laughs> it was a day tour. So you make this two-and-a-half-hour drive from the border over to Petra. We spent the day there, explored, had a really great lunch, and drove back. Like, easy peasy. I got some dope pictures to prove for it. You know, and there you have it, right? You had a great lunch, and you got some dope pictures. Who cares that your passport situation could have got you jammed up in a foreign country? You know what I'm saying? It was all good because you got some dope pictures. This, the thing is, I'm like, they don't want me. Like, I'm an American. What you going to do? Like, my trip is covered. I'm going home. Let me go. Like, I'm good. That's arrogance, right? That's how people... <laughs> hey, the ugly American came out real quick or just did. You know, the whole first part of your story, you all cultured and you talking about all this other stuff. And that's all fine and good, but... Three minutes into that giant, boom, Ugly American came out. Stars and stripes. I'm sorry. I am who I am. All right. So just on the strength of that story, y'all know what time it is when I'm talking with Monica. You already know where this is going. All right. So make sure you follow Monica. You know what I'm saying? She's got great stories, really smart, really funny. Follow her on Twitter. She's at McNutMonica. All right. So, you know, you just told us this really, really dope story that still somewhat highlights just how weird you are, right? Okay. Okay. But, all right, we're going to normalize this now. Kyrie Irving, he's in a very weird situation himself, right? Uh, he is still one of the game's top players, definitely one of the most popular. But out of nowhere, seemingly, he reportedly wants a trade out of Cleveland. So, you, Monica, you're far too humble to to let everyone know this, but you were a star at Georgetown, you know, all jokes aside, you were a star. Um, so how do you view this entire Kyrie situation, right? Cause on one hand you have a guy who has great team success playing with one of the best basketball players of all time in LeBron James. And on the other hand, you have a guy who is still young and wants to grow right into himself and ego does exist. And it's clear he's tired of being the little brother. So, how do you view this entire Kyrie Irving situation? So, I would never do such a thing as a basketball player. Like, I would never do such a thing. In the day and age where we're teaming up to ring chase, right? is ring, is ring chasing not a thing in Kyrie's mind? Um, personally, I think, you know, you're strong as your teammates. You want to put yourself in a position to be successful. Sure, LeBron right. may ultimately be the headliner on those teams, but wherever Kyrie goes, he'll have rings to prove for it, too. I don't know that Scotty is tripping over like Jordan was the, the lead guy, and I don't. And I and to be fair, I think the Michael Scotty thing is probably a little bit more of a drastic in terms of where they are in the conversation than a LeBron and Kyrie. At least maybe when you talk positions, and that's a whole other argument. I don't want to go into that right now. But anyway, um, <laughs> I think it's, Kyrie is sort of the antithesis of what we're seeing made popular in the league right now by demanding this trade. I don't know that the individual legacy, unless he goes and matches LeBron or Nick talks, takes out LeBron in a finals head-to-head, like, I think the conversation will now always be, remember he demanded that trade from LeBron? Like, I think that's yeah. just where we are. Now, if he can come, this comes to pass and the two can work it out, then I still think that's always going to be a conversation when people mention his name. But he could at least get his rings and save face that way if he's able to stay with LeBron. But I don't know if you remember this, though, Armand, I think when Kevin Love joined the team, maybe right. the first year he went to Cleveland, D-Wade and Bosch, or was it just D-Wade? 
I want to say this was like Sports Illustrated or maybe like ESPN the magazine, but they, they were on record about how difficult it is to play with LeBron, not in the sense of he's a bad guy, but understanding the roles and the power dynamics that shift when you play with such a dominant guy. And you're talking about Boston Wade, who are like, I mean, they're fantastic players and have had very impressive NBA careers. So in a sense, I'm not surprised by this. I thought that those guys were better friends, I guess, for it to come out this way. Yeah. But I'm not really surprised. I don't I don't really necessarily follow Kyrie to say I even know him via his profiles and his branding, his social media. Um but I don't I'm not shocked by it. Yeah, I'm not shocked either. And you make a really good point about the ring chasing element. But I look at it as if you're Kyrie Irving, right? And your natural progression, like no matter what you do, even the fact that you're you're still a young player and you're improving, but all of that is attributed to you playing with LeBron. So despite the fact that you've gotten better and despite the fact that you're now one of the game's best, everything you do is viewed through the prism of, well, yeah, of course you're playing better. You're playing next to LeBron. But LeBron, I mean, but LeBron, you're clearly not LeBron. But I'm not, why is that a bad thing? No, but, okay, how about I put it like this? You're clearly, and again, I'm talking to Monica McNutt. Make sure you follow her on Twitter. She's at McNutt Monica, M-C-N-U-T-T Monica. She's a super fun, um, interesting, interesting follower. What word are you about to use? <laughs> nah, but make sure you follow her on Twitter, all right? So, Monica, right now you're an analyst, right? But I feel like I'm talking to analyst Monica. So if I could speak to the athlete in you, right, I'm sure, like, we don't live in a fairy tale world. There were some teammates that you didn't get along with. You don't have to name any names, but if you want to, let's go ahead and do it right now on the quarterly report. Let's get that drama, you know what I'm saying? But now, in all serious, how much does ego, right, and personalities drive something like this? And you're absolutely right, and I think ego is huge. <clears throat> but winning covers a multitude of sins in my mind. So th- we're talking about an ego that is an outlier in the conversation of egos for Kyrie to demand this trade, in my mind. Because... Right. You're, yeah, egos are all over the place if you're the Brooklyn Nets, if you the New York Nets. Think about it, Armand, right? Like, that's when guys are demanding trades and want out situations and walking out of meetings. Like, not when you are coming off of a title and we're just in the finals. Like, that's, that's tricky. I, 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 there's two things that can happen here for me. One, Kyrie truly is this, this dynamic of a guy. That's a badass mofo we talk about. And he's going to go off and, like, just put all this to rest. And people will be like, oh, wow, now I get it. Right? right? Or two, it's going to be like, okay, all right. Like, you still weren't able to put together the squad you had. Um, so egos, egos are very real. But I, and I think the other part of egos is you have to understand who you're dealing with on your teams, right? If this, yeah. was, if this was Kyrie from Jump, then I, would feel, I feel like Griffin and those guys or Gilbert, rather. So I feel like this is not a secret to the internal folks. I, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it wouldn't be me. I think I, I think even on the ego level, like, you're more valuable attached to LeBron. Unless Kyrie knows something we don't know. And he may, he may. Yeah, the timing of everything does seem kind of weird. You know, I don't know about you, but at least from the outside looking in, again, I don't know either of these guys. But it seemed like they had a really good relationship. And... Even more so, it seemed as if LeBron really was taking Kyrie under his wing and kind of grooming him to kind of pass the torch on to him when either LeBron retires or 
goes to another team. Right, and to me, LeBron almost strikes me as a guy. Now, he may or may not stay in Cleveland. Personally, I think he's going to stay. Personally, that's just me. I could be way off. But I, I would imagine that he would be more inclined to take a back seat to a Kyrie, who's younger, who would probably be the future of the franchise as he's making his way out. Like, it, right. on the surface, it would seem like they would be able to work through whatever challenges may lay ahead as a team, even if the roles shift. Once again, I'm joined now by good friend of the program, Monica McNutt. Make sure you follow her on Twitter at McNuttMonica. Now, it's, we talked a lot about hoops, but, you know, Monica's not just a jock. Okay. <laughs> you know, we talked about culture the first uh, few moments of the interview, about her travels to Israel. Uh, we talked about Kyrie Irving and, you know, the drama going on with him and LeBron in Cleveland. But you also, you know, have a really good pulse of, you know, entertainment. And I must say, you are a pretty good judge of uh, television shows. You and I used to like a, a show a few years back called Graceland. That show is dead, so no point in talking about it. But now there's another show that you and I both like. And, you know, a lot of other people, if you listen to this podcast, you probably enjoy it as well. Insecure, right? So the season debut was this past Sunday. Not going to talk too much about that specific show, but every time Insecure comes on, you know, Twitter erupts into like a civil war. So it's either Team Lawrence or Team Issa. So first things first, I got to ask you, who are you rocking with, Lawrence or Issa? Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. Wait, before we do this, have you watched Power this season yet? Have you caught up on Power? Oh, man. Um. All right, so real quick, I don't, I don't even really rock with Power like I didn't ask you that. Did you watch it? <laughs> I know where you are on Power, but did you watch it? Oh, man. So my cousin told me, you know, I was tripping because, you know, like I said, I didn't watch Power. And, you know, I'm not, I wasn't the biggest fan. So my cousin was like letting me know about all the, like the back, you know, background information on the show and other other stuff and how my uncle is like super cool with the dude who plays Ghost. It was, it was crazy, right? So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, to answer your question, yes, I have seen Power. All right, well, we'll revisit that. Now, let's go back to Insecure, another fabulous example of black excellence on television. Absolutely. Team Issa or Team Lawrence? I am Team Lawrence. I figured. Why did you figure that? Now I'm curious. Now let's break this down. Okay. With all due respect, right, Lawrence is a lame, okay? He's a sucker. And, you know, everybody is funny, man. People, you know, people will talk about it, whatever, and they, when they automatically assume because I'm a guy that I'm just going to automatically ride with Lawrence. And I'm just like, nah, man, he, he, he's done too many sucker things, like too many for me to ever feel anything that, even resembles me rocking for him. So, nah, man, I'm Team Issa all the way with it. But here's my thing on that, though, right? Right. If, ooh, you got, I got to watch my colloquial language that was getting ready to come out. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Don't worry. We have editing, so get comfortable. Go ahead. Let them things go. I'm, 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 very, I'm real black and white when it comes to relationships. That's my deal, right? Like, if we end it, we end it, period, right? Now, if, she, if this man was being a sucker, then you should have been like, this not working. Like, we need to we need to take a break. We need to move on to whatever. Then you got free pass, my man. Daniel fine. You got to get abs, chocolate skin. Like, do your thing. But if you're with a dude, you're with a dude. I think that's just kind of the end of the conversation for me. Not that Lawrence is innocent. I do definitely think that there are ways that he should be growing as a boyfriend, like shortcomings that he had. He's not perfect either. But at least Lawrence, to me, was faithful, was loyal. Like, 
Loyalty I mean, is like top dog in my mind. So I think it's a great show that broaches lots of different topics. Not even just those two. I think Molly's going through some real issues. Like I get that. Um, it's a great show. I encourage folks to turn, tune in. Once again, I'm joined by former basketball star, television analyst, world traveler, and writer for thepromptmag.com, uh, Monica McNutt. Uh, we're talking television right now, and we just finished talking about Insecure, but it's another television show that we're going to end with. Our final question, you mentioned power a little bit earlier. So I'm curious. A few weeks ago, our guy Chris Miller came on and pitched power to me, told me why I should be watching. So I'm going to ask the same of you. You clearly are a fan, as is as are millions of people out there. So tell me why I need to start watching power. Why? Am I wrong? So, uh, you know what? I'm going to give you your props here. Because when you went off way back when, earlier this summer, I think you were talking about watching Game of Thrones and talking about why you don't watch Power. You made right. a comment about how unrealistic it is that nobody has tried to attack this man from outside of the drug world, right? right. Like, I'm not going to lie. That kind of stuck with me. Boom. Thank you. Mm, that's a fair... Mm, okay, that's fair. So that's kind of stuck with me. But besides that, I would encourage you to watch Power because you have to watch the duality of the main character. But it's not just the main character. You realize, you know that, that quote, what a web we weave when we laugh? How yeah. many people are, like, truly tied into this thing? I just think, for me, the arrogance of Ghost's character always takes you on this, like, crazy ride some kind of way. And then along the way, you've got these incredible characters that just have so much depth to me. So I think that the storytelling is done in a way that just keeps you hooked. Now, you do have to let go of the fact of why hasn't anybody done this, to your point. But I think right. that the story is really well told. So I would encourage you to watch it from that end. And there you have it, the ray of sunshine herself, Miss Monica McNutt. Make sure you follow her on Twitter. She's at McNutt Monica, as you can tell. She's really, really fun, but she also knows her stuff, not just in sports, but world views and entertainment. So make sure you follow her on Twitter. Monica, thank you so much for joining me again on the Quarterly Report. Hope to speak to you soon. You're welcome. All right, we are three quarters down with only one topic left, and it's a story that kind of rocked college football. We're going to finish up strong with our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. So your man Hugh Freeze got caught tricking, lost his job after Ole Miss tells the whole world that he was tricking. Oh, Slim, can you imagine being Hugh Freeze going home that night? Having to tell your wife and your kids, not only are we in Mississippi for a job that I don't have anymore, he, he moved his family to Mississippi. Not only do they not have that job, he lost it because he was messing around with an escort service. Oh, that had to be. The worst weekend ever for Hugh Freeze. Oh, 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 oh. Slim Day in Mississippi. That, oh, you could cut the tension in the Freeze house with a knife for real. But, you know, and I don't like delving in people's personal lives. So I'm not going to talk about the personal dynamic that's going on in the Freeze household. But I got to be real with you. I felt like, yo, Ole Miss, out of all the things they could have fired Hugh Freeze for, like, Recruiting violations, him being dirty, the whole nine. Y'all going to fire him because he was calling the escort service? Ah, that's weak. 
and it, and it got me thinking like, why do we still act like sports is this like Holy grail where integrity is first. And you know, we always need to walk with the utmost respect and dignity, right? Especially with football, you know, there's studies almost monthly. Now there was a new study this week talking about the dangers of CTE and, and brain damage when it comes to football. I mean, the, the sport is literally barbaric and we're going to hold coaches to some standard of morality. Come on, man. That doesn't make any sense, but I can hear some of you guys. Hey, but you know, he's a college coach and it's not the pros. It's different when it's college kids. Is it? How I mean, ask yourself this, right? Do any of you guys know a person who was like a top, you know, NCAA football recruit? Because I know a few of them. If you know anyone, ask them about their recruiting trip. Ask them. Now, I don't know anybody from who went to BYU or any super religious school. Actually, that's not true because I know someone who went to Notre Dame. And he and he's the same way. If you want to if you want to act like college sports is this kind of beacon of, you know, dignity and integrity and like there's no there's no way that we, we should allow any immoral practices when it comes to these college kids. How is it that we all understand what happens on these recruiting trips and no one really even bats an eye? Again, ask anyone that you know who was like a top recruit how their recruiting trip went. If you saw he got game, you got to have an idea. You know what I mean? And from what I heard, that's just like the tip of the iceberg. It's even it's even more than that. So, and, and this is all kind of understood. Many instances, they're using escorts or, you know, co-eds from the college campus or whatever. But it doesn't matter. I mean, if you're using sex to get these 17 year old kids to come to your college, why on earth would you get upset when the coach uses sex, you know, to for whatever reason, you know, look, we're not Hugh Freeze's wife, his children. You know, he seems to be a, a religious person. We're not his God. So he doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't owe us an apology. If he's a good head coach, which he clearly is, why would you fire him? Because he used the escort service. When everyone kind of, you know, just turns turns the other way when it comes to these recruiters. How do you think he got? Oh, Miss had like the number one recruiting class, like what, last year, two years ago? Did anybody do any type of in-depth investigation to see how much sex was being used to get these top these top flight recruits to Mississippi? Of course not. And it's not just Ole Miss. Think of, look at all the top flight schools, college football or college basketball for that matter. You mean to tell me you don't think they're using sex to get these kids to sign their letter of intent? Of course they do. And we all know it. That's the thing. This isn't even like some dirty secret. It's just that people don't talk about it. So on one hand, you clearly don't mind and I'm not talking about Ole Miss specifically here. I'm talking about just the institution of college sports. Because this isn't, like I said, it's not a dirty secret. So on one hand, these schools don't mind 
that their kids are like being subject to this. But when, when it's the coach, oh my God, how could he, how could he do this? It's so, it's so immoral. Oh my gosh. Why are we acting like, you know, this dude was like, he, if he was the head of a prostitution ring. Okay. I get that. He wanted to have sex. And you know, I'm not trying to act like, you know, I'm this super, libertarian where you know hey anybody can do whatever they want as long as i'm not saying that i'm saying yeah sure have some guidelines but come on you're gonna fire a good head coach because he he got caught with with a an escort service like we're going to police morality in a sport that literally is kind of on the brink of being barbaric if not completely barbaric like these dudes are just crashing their heads over and over again getting shot up with God knows what type of medicine, right? And then that doesn't even take into the consideration like paying for athletics. These kids are putting their bodies on the line and then people are like, hey, yeah, we're paying you with a, with a scholarship. A scholarship can't pay any bills, right? But now we draw the line at morality because the head coach, you know, was stricken. Who was he hurting? I just don't understand why we always treat sports like it's like it's, you know, something to be to be taken so seriously. They got mascots, for goodness sakes. You know what I mean? They're not. These aren't brain surgeons. These aren't doctors. These aren't, you know, world leaders. Okay, they they coach a sport every Saturday during the fall. Like, why are we holding them up to and propping them up as if they're the Pope? You know what I mean? So Mississippi completely overreacts because Hugh Freeze, you know, he wanted, you know, he wanted to take a swim. And again, I'm not trying to say that Hugh Freeze's wife shouldn't get upset or anybody else. Like, again, he props himself as a super religious person. And if he is... Look, man, repentance is real. One of the if you're a Christian and you got super mad at you freeze, I don't know how you miss one of the biggest pillars of Christianity, right? All these southern schools always talk about religion and football and how they go hand in hand. You know, I they it, it's just so insane. But if you're going to do that, you are really overlooking one of the biggest pillars of Christianity, and that's forgiveness. But because he got caught. Everybody's just going to shun him and shame him. You know what I mean? Despite the fact that he's a good head coach. So, of course, naturally, in a year or two, when he gets another big job, he's going to have to have a press conference and apologize to everyone. Why does he owe anyone other than his wife and his family an apology? The whole jig is so silly. And I, gotta, and I feel like we all got to kind of know it. But we all just kind of play in line like, okay, well, he got caught. He got to go. Why? I would have wished, I wish, I wish, seriously. As some AD gets up there, right? It just, it's honest. It's like, you know what? Yeah, he got caught. And I don't know how you guys found out, but he's got to answer to two people or to two groups, his family and his Lord, his God. And I had to answer to me. I would have gave him a contract extension at that moment. And again, 
Ole Miss was riding with Hugh Freeze for everything else. He was under several NCAA uh, infractions, like investigations for paying and all types of other stuff. And I mean, and obviously, I mean, again, Ole Miss had like the number one recruiting class a few years ago. Of course, he was running a dirty program, but that's okay. It's okay that you can be running a dirty program and doing all types of doing all types of other things, including probably getting escorts for your players. That's okay. But when he, an adult, an adult gets an escort service, that's where you draw the line. (laughs) Why do we keep pretending like sports is so important? Like it's this, this model of, nobility that we all must look up to like this beacon of goodness this beacon of morality why do we why do we keep up with this charade it's clearly not they're hitting each other over and over and over again in dirt with pads with tigers running around life-size tigers and mascots holding a flag with face paint like why do we act like this is something to be taken seriously why do we act like this somehow why do we play moral police when it comes to sports? It just doesn't make any sense. And now a very good head coach is out of a job and Ole Miss will suffer because of it. Because they want to pretend moral police. If you really want to be the moral police, stop having these recruiting trips. And I guarantee you that that I guarantee you this. If you re- the, the school that's like, you know, we want to have a zero tolerance policy. Right. We're not going to allow any type of sex and any of this other stuff, underage drinking the whole night to go on, you know, at our school, at our campus. When it comes to these top flight high school recruits. I'm waiting for that, that school to be the first. And I guarantee you that school won't ever have a top recruiting class again. You know, and that's exactly the reason why no school will ever do anything like that. But everyone wants to jump up on their soapbox with Hugh Freeze. Oh, man, get up out of here. Hugh Freeze was tricking, right? Hey, man, God bless him. <laughs> and that's as simple as that. That's as simple as that. And that's how everyone whose last name isn't Freeze should feel. Let people live, man. Let people live. That's a simple sentence that we all should say. Let people live. If he's not hurting you, and he's not hurting anybody else. Hey, man. God bless you. And God bless each and every one of you for listening to the quarterly report this week. I am your host, Armand Lee. Thank you so much for listening in. A few house cleaning items to get to. Make sure you follow me. I'm at Armand, A-R-M-O-N underscore Lee, L-E-E. Follow me on Twitter. Also, follow the show. It's at quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. Thank you so much for listening in for this week. I'll see you right back here next week on the Quarterly Report.